Hello, and welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Wolf. Here at Let It Matter, we seek to make space for and honor what matters to us as individuals, as communities, and as beloved children of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast our cares on God because God cares for us. That tells me that God cares about what we care about. In their song of the same title, the group Johnny Swim offers this invitation. If it matters, let it matter. So that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as we make space for, honor, celebrate, or lament, and as we name, what matters. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I am thankful that you are joining me for this episode. Today, I am joined by Reverend Jess Cast, who is an ordained minister of Word and Sacrament in the United Church of Christ and pastor of a UCC church in Pennsylvania, where she lives with her wife. She is also a member of the National Clergy Advocacy Board for Planned Parenthood. Her work has been featured in publications like the Washington Post, the Atlantic, Sojourners, and more. I want to take a second um, to just let you know what we're discussing in today's episode, which you may have guessed a bit about from the episode title, but um, in this conversation, Jess and I discuss topics like sexuality, reproductive health care, abortion access, contraception, faith, uh, scripture, the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the implications of that, and a lot more. So first of all, please proceed with caution if needed, certainly um, with little ears around potentially, or even um, for your own story, make sure to take care of yourself first. Secondly, for those of you who may be coming to this conversation having grown up in evangelicalism or more conservative or moderate faith or political environments, I want to just sort of share my heart with you for this episode First of all, when I was guest hosting um, in 2022 on Where Do We Go From Here podcast, um, Debbie Abraham and I, it was right after the Dobbs decision, and we decided to do an episode about abortion. It was a big old episode. Um, We spent dozens of hours reading research and study conclusions, reading, uh, sifting through and organizing listener feedback from a Google form, anonymous Google form we posted, um, and taking great care to have that conversation without using political terminology or sides um, and with great nuance. It was the overwhelming result by the way, of both the large sort of published research studies, as well as the Google form responses from listeners who run the gamut of Christian faith experiences, but largely um, come from evangelical backgrounds, um, that not only is this something, even if you don't believe in, you don't believe abortion access should be safe, legal, and affordable. Even if you are what I'll call anti-abortion or pro-birth here, um, (laughs) studies just overwhelmingly show, first of all, there are women who believe that who still have abortions. There are women who believe that who still need reproductive health care, maternal health care, fetal health care that... 
that just wanders outside the lines of what legislators have written. We've seen this constantly since the Dobbs decision. Uh, a family who wanted their child, and I don't want to get into too many specifics because I don't want to use triggering language, but um, but uh, just the most heartbreaking, heart-wrenching decision where the procedure needed to be performed was uh, a DNC or an abortion for, let's say, an ectopic pregnancy or um, or a woman who was septic uh, and and, you know, very, very sick. Um, we're just seeing over and over that there's much more nuance to this conversation. Um, we see it in the research and we saw it in the questions of listeners sent in for that episode. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I do highly, highly recommend it. Our goal in that episode was simply to say out loud the things that people, most of them were women, didn't feel comfortable saying or asking or thinking through in their faith circles. Um, we gathered 118 anonymous survey responses spanning the spectrum of Christian beliefs, demographics, and experiences. We brought in a bunch of research from Christian Christian orgs as well as like national health orgs, um, and from multiple countries, uh, not just an American perspective, but global. Um, I shared my uh, story of working at a crisis pregnancy center, um, the call center for Crisis Pregnancy Center Network, and um, and how uh, wildly different the experience and the tactics are of those uh, many of those clinics. Uh, they're just deceptive. Uh, manipulative and ultimately harmful because they are not medical care and they pose as medical care. Um, and so I shared multiple, you know, stories and experiences of working there um, for no other reason than just that. If that's what you want uh, and you want to go there, great, but you need to know what why you're going. <laughs> um, and if, if your church supports a crisis pregnancy center, you need to be asking them if their if their methods, their conversations, their um, tactics are 100% not just above board, but empathetic and with the mother um, and and her health and her trauma and her story. Uh, being centered. Um, so I shared that. And then, I mean, there's just a bunch more in that episode. It, we don't take a position. We don't say how we believe. We don't um, make a case for one side or the other. We don't really even use the political pro-choice, pro-life terminology. Um, so we just tried to equip the listener essentially, with more information to help you think through your own views and questions and to help you not feel so alone in them. Um, it is episode 108. It's called The Big One About Abortion uh, of the Where Do We Go From Here podcast. You can find it wherever you get podcasts, but also you could go to wheredowegopod.com forward slash 108. And that is, uh, you'll be able to play the audio from there. You don't have to have listened to that to hear this conversation, but I wanted to make sure, and um, and if this episode feels like a bridge too far for you, that one may feel more resourceful. Um, and so I wanna just equip you with that. In this conversation, I wanna also make this clear. 
Jess and I are both in support of safe, legal, and affordable access to reproductive health care services, including sex education, contraception, and abortion services. And we come to those beliefs not in spite of our faith or the Bible or Christian ethics, but because of them. So I just want to ask you to listen with that lens with loving charity toward Jess and toward me, and even if um, our conclusions are different than yours. And if your beliefs are different than ours, that's okay. You are still welcome here, and I will extend to you the same charitable view that it is your faith, it is your experiences, it is your ethics, it is your love that leads you to your conclusions. One thing I know to be true, though, Many people, especially women, who grew up in evangelicalism and conservative religious or conservative political environments have never even heard just a healthy dialogue containing the alternate viewpoint that doesn't come with pressure or anger or hostility or sound bites or uh, politicizing. Um, and so if that's you, this episode is for you too. I thanks for bearing with me. I know this was a little bit of a longer intro, but I wanted to I didn't want to just turn you over to the conversation. I wanted to prepare you for what's coming and also invite you to please still listen if if it feels safe for you. Um, because your your viewpoint may be exactly the same and our goal isn't to change your mind so we expect it will be um, but it might just have a little more nuance and I don't think in this climate that's ever a bad thing so with that here is my conversation with Reverend Jest Cast. okay Reverend Jess Cass, thank you so much for joining me on the Let It Matter podcast today. I'm thrilled to have you here. Glad to be here. Thank you, Kelly. Oh, man, I have been, you know, this has been a, um, a few months coming for us to, you know, we had to reschedule once before and um, really been looking forward to this conversation, just particularly because of your leadership in this space. And so really um, excited to A, just hear what you have to say and then B, get to share it with listeners. I'm excited about that. Um, to start with, sort of, I've given your, at this point in the episode, I've given your bio and sort of let people know what we're going to be talking about. Um, you are ordained in the United Church of Christ. Yes. Um, and you pastor a church. You also serve on the Clergy Advocacy Board of Planned Parenthood. Yes. Um, so a couple of things really quick. Can you tell us briefly um, what the Clergy Advocacy Board is and what their role is in the org of Planned Parenthood? And then also I'm interested in just the UCC a little bit, a brief yeah. description. Um, so again, thank you so much, Kelly, for inviting me to um, join you and all of those who are listening in this conversation. Um, and for those who are listening, I just want you to know that I wore my bolo tie and my turquoise jewelry today for Kelly, who is in the southwestern United States. And <laughs> he did. So this is an homage to your area. Like, that's why I wore this. But um, oh, so I love that so much. <laughs> um, so first, let me break it down. Um, I I have been an ordained minister of word and sacrament for, oh gosh, I don't even know, like around 15 years now, I think. I think it's around 15. Mm -hmm. um, I'm ordained in the United Church of Christ. Um, my original ordination was actually in the Reformed Church in America, and I switched my ordination 
um, when I came out and, um, and when I married my wife. Um, and mm-hmm. the UCC is a, in brief, a denomination that was put together of four, five different streams of, um, Christianity that came together in one in about 1956-1957 and um, now we have this what we call the United Church of Christ under the umbrella of John 17 when Jesus says that they all may be Mm -hmm. one Um, my particular section of that denomination is here in Pennsylvania which the history of that is in a German evangelical and reformed so what that looks like is my people where I serve really like liturgy more. Uh, You'll see Mm -hmm. um, a prayer of confession. You'll see an assurance. You'll see um, people like the different pieces of the liturgy more in my area of the UCC. If you go up into like New England, um, that will look a little bit differently because that's a a previous branch manifesting in the UCC today. Mm -hmm. The UCC has a historical um, witness in regards to reproductive justice and abortion access and um, women and people's health care. Um, United mm. Church of Christ has a denominational stance um, on, on uh, safe um, and affordable abortion access. This is part of who the denomination is as a whole. And sure. what's important yeah. to note uh, too, because we're congregational, which is different than Episcopalian or mm-hmm. even Presbyterian, because we're congregational, the polity, which is a churchy word that means governance, the authority comes from the the congregation the members, and yeah. the members. So unlike a bishop, placing me somewhere it was the congregation that called me so in light of this conversation though a denomination might make a particular stance um it's up to individual congregations how they want Mm. to live that out and even have a different opinion like there's and and that's that's welcomed in the UCC. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, we use this phrase autonomy and covenant a lot to recognize Um, each congregation is autonomous, but we are in covenant with the greater church. Um, So the denomination will set the tone. um, And in that tone, um, I do serve on the clergy advocacy board uh, for Planned Parenthood. And that's the national office. And the Planned Parenthood Mm -hmm. clergy advocacy board is one of the subsections of PPFA, Planned Parenthood Federation of America. It is clergy who volunteer our time to be of of service to guide Planned Parenthood in moral and ethical questions to help mm-hmm. provide support to anybody in need of Planned Parenthood services um, mm. a health care you know just I don't I think people sometimes get lost in you know this just how okay let me just say really uh particular here in pennsylvania um what just happened in our state legislator um was the governor is now withdrawn a bunch of money that were to be given to crisis pregnancy centers and Mm -hmm. um there are some who who think that's a bad decision what's important to know about places like crisis pregnancy centers is that 
these are not medical professionals at these institutions. Um, I think it's important to note that. And and I can say that because I grew up in a really conservative household where I first volunteered at a crisis pregnancy center. And I used to work at one. It's yeah. It's a, it's a, is so dangerous to make people think they are receiving medical services when what they need is medical services. Yes. And that's not what they're getting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, that's crucial here. So when somebody comes in, um, I mean, I was in high school when I was volunteering at the mm-hmm. crisis pregnancy center, RU486, which was the morning after pill was mm-hmm. just legalized. And I, and I, I think what I want you and your listeners to understand is I grew up in a very pro birth family, like, uh, mm-hmm. to be Christian was to be pro birth. Sometimes we hear the phrase, yes. uh, pro life, like, I grew up that abortion was wrong. Um, And my Mm -hmm. first protest was a silent protest against a Planned Parenthood. So Mm. I I, want to name that because I've been on a long journey myself um, Mm. because I, 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 I I tend to minister in spaces where people are on the journey um, and people are nuanced of different opinions. And I value that. Like I value in our highly divided country, I try to be a voice that helps bring some nuance and allows people to be on the journey because Kelly, people allowed me to be on the journey. So how could I not give that to others? Did you, it's easy to lose sight. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, in Texas, very few, uh, I had yeah. to find them online. Um, they're not people that I knew in my real life or that I was able wow. to really find here very much. Not that it doesn't exist, but um, it's more underground. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, but, but certainly in the conversation about becoming affirming or becoming egalitarian, um, you know, I've shared on this podcast before some of the, I mean, my biggest shame and, and sin in my life is the way that we treated my sister because she was gay. And, um, and so like the rest of my life is my repentance that, um, that, that I, that will never be part of something like that again. Um, and so, but people held the door for me. And that's sort of what this conversation I want it to be is like, when it's so in those early days, you have the questions, but you're not safe to ask them of anyone in your, in your daily life. The first place I turned was books and podcasts Mm -hmm. because I could sort of peek my head in on conversations. I'd literally never even heard before. Um, I'd never heard a case made uh, for anything other than just the staunch, um, uh, militant, uh, not even pro-life, just straight up anti-abortion and oftentimes anti-woman, um, uh, views of, of the, you know, spaces I was in. And so, um, that's sort of what I'm hoping this conversation will be is that somebody listening to this might say like, with an open mind for the first time, I'm going to hear, I'm going to hear people talk about this in a way that I haven't before. Um, I haven't heard before and what your conclusions are can be your conclusions. Like you said, the journey um, is yours and I can entrust that to the Holy spirit. But um, I do want to note also when people are, when you're saying United church of Christ, people who know me know that I grew up in the church of Christ. And I want to be clear. Those are very different (laughs) things They are. are. Um, to have a woman pastor, not to mention a woman who uh, has a wife. That's a pastor. Um, um, 
uh, they don't even have a box for that. So, um, yeah. so <laughs> I want to be clear, like we don't go back to my church of Christ days. Those, uh, and if you're looking for a, a church that is, you know, supportive of abortion, United Church of Christ is what she's saying, not Church of Christ. Yeah, Church of Christ um, are, um, are more consider- conservative kindred. <laughs> quite a bit. Yes. Quite a bit. Um, so I have been so thankful, basically, for your leadership in this conversation and this space publicly, mm-hmm. particularly since the initial SCOTUS decision was released um, or leaked. And then when the actual Dobbs ruling was made, um, like I said, for somebody listening to this who may have been quote pro-life or anti-abortion all their lives, um, what would you say to them as a pastor, as a woman, um, as a reproductive rights advocate who, if they're just interested in hearing a case made for a faithful alternate, but still faithful Christian way of seeing this, this conversation? Well, I think one of the things to say is the fact that you're here listening and you're not turning this off says that there's a holy curiosity in you Mm. to explore, to be open. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm trying to testify to the journey that I know. That's what I think all of scripture calls us to anyways, just testify to our experience. Um, And like so many who may be listening, I also listened to podcasts and and began really interacting with my friends who were Christians who had received abortion care. That was a huge mm-hmm. thing for me when I began really talking more openly with my friends who are faithful followers of Jesus, ordained followers of Jesus, who... Mm-hmm have received abortions. And what I noticed about those conversations was so much of the public rhetoric actually didn't mirror their stories and, and those intricacies of their stories. That was what I was interested in. I am first and Mm -hmm. foremost, a pastor. So what that means is that any advocacy I do comes from a pastor's heart first. Um, Any public writing I do comes from a pastor's heart first, which means um, I fundamentally hands down honor the human dignity of every person I I encounter um, Mm -hmm. and including the people I disagree with. Um, That is theology 101 for me that this person Mm -hmm. sitting across from me um, is the image of God and they have dearly held positions that may or may not reflect mine so I think that's first so anybody who's listening who's having a hard time with Mm -hmm. saying yeah I'm I'm an ordained minister who is in support of abortion care um, we are we are image bearers of God so start there that's the first thing Um, and then I think curiosity is a spiritual discipline or a, a prayerful way of living. Um, be curious about where did these values come from? Who told me that I have to believe this certain way? Um, what is in scripture about this? Um, you know, it wasn't actually Kelly. It wasn't until recently when I was reading, I'm forgetting the passage right now, but the passage in, in numbers where, um, there's a woman that's brought to the priest and the husband's like, she's been unfaithful to me. And you know, she might be pregnant and the priest 
like it wasn't until like literally in the last couple of years when I realized I'm like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this priest is like putting medicines together literally for an abortion of this woman, like mm-hmm. this to, to, um, to, uh, to punish her. If she was with child with another man, then that, 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 um, uh, birth would not come to fruition. And I thought, why did right. I never hear that passage growing up? Or like, how did others, right. um, uh, it's in numbers. I'm forgetting the exact passage. There's, but. there's another one, I think in Exodus that I had only heard just very recently. Um, that was like, if you get in a fight and if you, two men are fighting and a woman gets hit and she's pregnant and it causes, um, it causes a mis it's uh, something like it causes a miscarriage. Um, that's different than if the woman gets hit and the woman dies. So it's like not as the same, it's not the same punishment yeah. for those two men because, because there's something different happening there than yes. you know what I'm saying. Um, and so, so that was one of the first times I had ever was like, you know, only t- only scriptures I've ever heard about this were you know Psalm one thirty nine, right? <laughs> um, basically, Psalm one thirty nine and Genesis one twenty six and twenty seven. Um, that you know, if, for those who are listening that don't have you know those memorized, it's basically that we're made in the image of God, and you know I formed you in your mother's womb, and in your in you know they're beautiful passages for you, me, all your beautiful. Um, but, but poetry and not a science textbook. Right. Um, right. And, you know, and the, the way that the, you know, Jewish people have re- read scripture yes. um, in terms of, you know, when Adam became a living being was when he took his first breath. Yeah. I think um, that's crucial here too, um, Kelly, is that, you know, yeah. uh, for those who don't know me or my work, I'm, I, I'm, unapologetically Christian. I love Jesus Christ with my whole heart. Try uh, mm-hmm. the Holy Trinity is my, uh, my uh, profession. I love the creeds and, and I am in yeah. very orthodox theologically in so many ways. And the more I've gotten deeper into my roots as a Christian, the more I find I hang out with interfaith folks um, mm-hmm. because I want to know how did you, like, how does your tradition do this? How does your tradition do this? Yeah. And of course, in the uh, with Judaism, there's a lot of conversation between our, our scriptures. And I was talking to um, one of my rabbi friends, and he said, we believe life happens upon the first breath. Um, so this mm-hmm. just, and he said, I, so to think it was like a no brainer to him and he's on the brink of retirement and he's been involved in mm-hmm. uh, reproductive care his whole life. He said, to think yeah. that's, that um, what is happening in your in utero is um, a, a, as a human being. He goes, I can't even, I don't even understand that. Um, and I mm. thought, wow, like that's just such a different way of growing up than how yeah. I grew up. Um, you know, one of the things that helped me, I, I remember listening, and for those of you who are curious, this might be something for you to explore, but I remember mm. listening. Um, are you familiar with Krista Tippett and On Being? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She did an interview, gosh, like 15 years ago, I think. And there was the mm-hmm. interview was with a um, evangelical pro-life leader and a, um, a um, pro-choice. I mean, these words are not the best words, but that's what they at yeah. the time was given to us. Uh, a pro-choice Catholic uh, leader. And I loved oh, the conversation um, because... Okay they were there together talking about their positions and values. And at one time, Mm -hmm. Krista asked them, 
Um, what do you wish? Um, what do you wish uh, about that the other side understood about your side? And what do you wish um, your side did better? And I love that because I thought, oh, this mm. provides some humility here of to say. Yeah. Hey, I can hold these opinions and I also wish this were true. So why I bring that up in this conversation is I, there is something happening at conception. Sure. Um, I, I don't believe that that is a human, but there is the potential mm-hmm. for human life at that mm-hmm. moment. Um, and, and so I remember when this Catholic leader said, I, I wish more largely we were understood as that whatever is happening at that moment, that we do have some sort of reverence for what is happening. But because Mm -hmm. of that reverence, we ultimately believe um, whoever is pregnant, they get to decide between them and their God, what is going on. It was like the most reverent time I had heard that um, because that's not how I was raised. It's really sweet. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What strikes me as interesting is there's a couple of sort of ways of looking at this is if you, first of all, if you're not a person who can get pregnant, um, but even if you are and, and you're not, uh, in a position to be getting pregnant either anymore or not yet, or, you know, whatever, um, you can say I am against abortion personally, and that can be a different thing than against access to abortion. Absolutely. And then the, the flip side of that though, is the sheer, I mean, this, we know the statistics of Christian and I mean, of all faith, but Christian women who are opposed to abortion and who have them anyway, because yes. they need them. Um, and they, they wouldn't choose it and they still wouldn't say, I support it even after they do it maybe necessarily, but they, you know, it's a, it is a decision that they have to make based on their circumstances um, with their doctor and in view of their faith. Um, But, but certainly, you know, (laughs) I just think of the audacity of these men making these decisions um, when it literally can't happen in their bodies yeah, uh, and what would happen if it was, if they said, okay, we're going to have a a panel of only women and women are going to be the ones who get to vote on this women and and people who can um, can get pregnant. Um, It would be across all 50 States. There would be abortion access, safe, legal, affordable, funded. You know what I mean? Because, because even women who are opposed to it, um, at least for me, when I knew it was legal, when I knew it was an option, uh, there's something that felt different, even at the yes. idea of being attacked or something, you know what I mean? Then yeah. the fact that it's not only not legal in my state anymore, it is not legal in any of the states near or surrounding my state. Um, and, and I am in a position where I maybe could travel if I needed to. And I know that that's not the case for many, 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 many. Right. So, it just, um, there's just so many different ways of looking at it where your personal view can still be your personal view for yes, yourself. Absolutely. And it also doesn't have to be imposed on everyone else. 
Yes. And there's also a possibility you may have to do something that's even against your own personal beliefs at some point. It happens all the time. And I think that is key here. And this is why I say I lead pastorally first in this area, because I've Mm -hmm. been in many conversations with people, particularly women who have been um, in a situation where they... Um, might have a conscious decision of um, how I'm not really in support of abortion. And then something happens in their life. They're married Mm -hmm. and the pregnancy is like literally putting their life in risk. Let's take this. Dangerous. Yeah. Um, They come back to me and they work through, God, I have to get an abortion literally for my life. Um, And and then they will come back and say, I thank God that that option was available for me. I don't think I understood what I was saying before. Um, When that option is taken away from us, um, I, I just don't understand when we say we're the land of the free, this, these decisions that SCOTUS are making are literally in opposition to our government values of who the United States of America is. I'm not even talking about our theological yes. values right now because that's right. everything. But like we are diminishing people's ability to have healthy, productive. And then when you even think about the economics of that, like if someone is put in a position of being forced to carry a birth, um, now you someone might say well they could give them up for adoption you're 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 forcing them to go through the trauma of adoption adoption. like that is cruel that is just cruel cruel. that's that's anti-christ to me like that's not not to mention their own medical bills leading up to potentially post having you know postpartum things like that it doesn't just go okay then then no problem Right, right, right. Um, there's, there's a lot of assumptions being made in that that are inaccurate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not everybody has access to health care. Um, what, what happens if somebody is in a position where um, they... they they can't. They don't have any type of um, pregnancy leave or care like that. Mm-hmm. So you are forcing yeah. them to give birth, and then literally their body is healing from the trauma of birth, and they have to go back to work because you've just taken away their right to not make decisions for their body. I mean, this is so cruel. What's happening? <laughs> like, yeah, I, is. I, it is. Yeah. I it's just, it's wild that we. To me, it's wild that like. <laughs> They got away with it. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that for an entire, uh, an entire biological sex, I guess, or however you want to say it for half the population. Yes. These few hundred people, or in this case, actually these nine people made a decision that not just not a new decision overturned 50 years of policy, um, uh, legislating from the bench and also putting things uh, additional decisions that were based on that argument, you know, right. in the way, but, um, but you know, that, that it took that all during that 50 years, Congress never codified it that like, you know, that, that all of these things, um, if it was, if there was an equal, even balance of re- gender representation in the, in our legislatures and our ruling bodies, but certainly if there was more, women people who this affects yes it's just wild to me you know a man can get someone pregnant 
I don't know, a thousand times in a year or maybe more, depending on how virile they are, but at least once a day for a year, a woman can be pregnant once in a year. Um, and the bodies we're regulating are ours. Um, and, and then treating pregnancy as if it's a, um, you made your bed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. as if it's not a very serious medical medical um, circumstance, as if even in the healthiest of people, it is right. not life endangering potentially. Yeah. Um, it, it's so before you ever get to the emotional and traumatic ramifications of, of, of adoption or of having a baby that you right. were prepared for with somebody who's harmful to you or something, you know, um, it, I feel like, I guess, um, where I want to bring it back around to is like, how does your, your, I know you've said how your Christian faith informs it, but if there was like a text, a passage from scripture or something that not just like about life or where it begins or something, but just your overall, overall heart for like, I'll give you an example. So, um, like with LGBTQ affirmation, um, I heard somebody, I think it was Jen Hatmaker talking about like, Jesus telling us to examine the fruit. I can't Mm. tell you all the things you'll need to know, but what I can tell you is you can test the fruit. Yeah. And then I examined the fruit of non-affirming theology versus affirming theology. And, and you know what I'm saying? So it was more of a concept applied. Um, But do you have anything like that, that you sort of leaned into initially or anything? Well, um, let me also offer to just, and I want to, before I respond to that, I want to just like continue Mm. to complicate this story for those who are listening, because I am an adopted person too. So I'm speaking Mm. as someone who is adopted, who has been on a journey from um, uh, anti-abortion to now being on the clergy advocacy board. Like I say that to say, I have weighed these thoughts and and, and prayerfully discerned um, about what their ramifications are. This is not something that I arrived to flippantly. And of course, because I have a master of divinity, scripture is my ultimate uh, weight by which I make decisions. Um, and for me, John ten ten is a really important passage for all yeah. of my theology. And, and many of you listening probably know this. And, and Jesus says that mm. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And, and yeah. this word abundantly is this word Zoe uh, in Greek that's used here. And it's not just that I have come that you may have life and that you're living and breathing like bios. That's the Greek word mm-hmm. that could have been used, but the Zoe word there is the animation of life, the type of life. Uh, we might use the phrase flourishing today. So Jesus cares yeah. about human flourishing here now in this side of heaven. Um, yeah. That What does that mean? That means that there is um, ease uh, in our communities and care that there's access to health care, there's access to food, there's access to safety, safe housing. Like all of yeah. these things fall under John 1010 to me, including yeah. safe and affordable bo- abortion access. What mm-hmm. makes this person and this, this community, this person come from, what will provide flourishing for them and, yeah. and how I understand scripture and how Jesus was constantly welcoming more human flourishing and widening the table. Um, mm-hmm. When we restrict abortion, we are actually being against the gospel and human flourishing. When we provide opportunities for safe, 
affordable, uh, supported health care and reproductive care, abortion access, we are actually yes. more in line with the gospel then because our society will flourish more. And Jesus cared about that a lot. So that would be the thrust yes. of my theology. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I really, I loved, um, I love that text. It's something that's really vital, um, to my faith as well. And I like the, the framework that you kind of put it in. Um, I, I want to shift gears just a little bit into Please. your actual work on the clergy advocacy board. Yeah. Um, so first, I think some folks might be served by having you unpack what Planned Parenthood actually is and does versus the sort of flattened, you know, stereotypical talking points from conservative politicians um, that it's an abortion factory, basically, with an agenda for everyone to never have another baby and everyone to become, I don't know, gay and whatever. Um, this is sort of all they, and, and, and they do so much more than that for communities. And so I'm wondering if, um, you can help sort of fill in the gaps in our collective understanding, just of what the work that Planned Parenthood does before we get to the clergy advocacy board. So, um, it was new to me too. I understand all of those thoughts, but, um, Planned Parenthood truly provides comprehensive medical care. So what do I mean by that is if somebody, male, woman, um, or, or any person comes in and in need of, yeah, yeah, anybody needs some medical care, Planned Parenthood will be there to support you. Um, uh, whether a checkup, is it, is it, um, sexual and reproductive health only, or like you can go for sinus infections and colds? Um, mostly in the reproductive care, but, um, you can, like if, if this might be the only doctor that some people have access to or that they can afford because they don't have, um, insurance. I mean, that's a huge piece in this. So, um, so when you think about basic things like pap smears or, Mm -hmm. um, someone who's having incredibly difficult cramps or irregular periods or, um, or, you know, they found a lump on their breast or, Mm -hmm. um, UTIs, stuff like that. UTIs or STIs or something like that. Yeah, Planned Parenthood's going to be there, and there, and and particularly, I, again, one of my dear friends who is a minister um, mm-hmm. did not have insurance at a certain period of her life. Went to Planned Parenthood for her regular checkup exam, mm-hmm. um, be, and that was the place where she could afford. Um, and they saw her uh, without question. Um, Abortion is like a piece of Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. It is a medical clinic. It is, you know, Mm -hmm. people will come there for their care. Um, And and education, that's another piece of sexual and reproductive yeah. education. Um, there are contraceptives, a lot of I imagine. Contraceptives, that's a huge piece of yeah. it as well. Just educating people about, yeah. um, that, like, just even the mechanics of sex. I mean, how many people do we yes. know that didn't know about sex? And so Planned Parenthood... Well, that's what I was saying, like, painful sex and people who yes. don't know, like who if they get married and they've never had sex before or something and all of a sudden right they can't anymore or for whatever reason or if you experience some type of sexual trauma or right um or you know anything like that i imagine i think there's things that we sort of just narrow it down to like pregnancy 
and right. STIs and you can, you know, get birth control there. Um, but you're right. Education is a huge thing. I am. I also imagine I haven't ever had to use their services, but I imagine there's a, a, a wealth of resources they can connect you with. Oh my word. Because literally the, the Planned Parenthood that's closest to my area here is like, it is medical doctors who mm -hmm. work there. People who have board yes. certified medical doctors that will see you to provide medical care. Um, and, yes. and look, if you've got some sinus infection or something like talk to the doctor about that. Like that's, yeah. this is important to note. These are nurses and doctors who are actually there to support you in comprehensive, um, healthcare. Mm -hmm. Um, and Planned Parenthood is out in communities a lot that, um, don't have access to healthcare. Yeah. And so that folks know the types of different services. And thankfully one of the, I mean, we're watching this play out right now, the legalities going on in our country about like, what if you're in Texas and you yeah. contact the clinic in New York? Um, like what are, mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of things being figured out in this country right now because, yeah. um, because we do have uh, telehealth, um, but um, it's, it's something that folks are having to like, literally even telehealth is yeah. being limited because of these SCOTUS decisions, some of the cases that are yeah. coming forward. Um, and that's just like, you have a UTI and they, you need some help. Like you're right. limiting right. that. This is not even about abortion. I, I have endometriosis. I stay on birth control. I don't, I don't even take the week off. So I just stay on it constantly. Yes. Um, and, and I use the, um, like NERC's app. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, because, and I like pay $15 of doctor reviews, my account and make sure in my medical file, make sure I'm on the right one. That's not going to cause blood clots. It's not going to cause high blood pressure, yes. et cetera. Um, and, and then I like, they send it to me once a month. Um, those services are really important too. However, like, in and of themselves without having an access to another type of like, if I do miss my birth control, what, what do I need to start doing? If I, um, if it's not working as well, I need to see a doctor. If I don't take it on the right schedule and, and happen to have unprotected sex. Now, how yeah. do I take, do I take, uh, you know, emergency contraceptive? Do I just take double up birth control? You right. need access to a doctor yes. um, to ask all these questions. Yeah. Yeah. Like a true medical professional who, right. not just a volunteer who has a certain ideology, but an actual medical professional who will right. serve you and care for you no matter what you believe, but will support your well being and health. That is who Planned Parenthood yes. is. Um, and I think to say, to say without agenda is important because of the two types of clinics we're talking about, CPCs and, and Planned Parenthood, one of them does have a very clear agenda. Um, and so yeah. you are getting biased in, and incomplete information in addition to the fact that you're getting sold a bill of goods about the medical, quote, medical care. Yes. Anybody can buy an ultrasound machine and yeah. do an ultrasound, but you're not getting medical care. Um, however, with Planned Parenthood, well, I was reading through the sort of values of the clergy advocacy board. And I was, I, I don't know what I expected to find, but maybe something a little more, a little more, uh, yes, women should be able to do it and don't ask us another question about it. And what I found there instead was, and I want you to talk about this a little bit, was we believe this is a very 
uh, personal and private conversation between a woman, her doctor, and to be considered with her religious beliefs as well. So it's not that Planned Parenthood wants to override not at all. someone's religious beliefs or push abortion as an agenda or something. Um, uh, can you talk a little bit about that? The sort of values of the, of yeah. the clergy advocacy board. So the clergy advocacy board, I am not here to go and convince someone why they need to get an abortion. That's not my role. Um, That's never my goal. Um, Our goal on the clergy advocacy board is to support individuals in their conscious and their faith and their religion um, uh, and their doctor to help make the best decisions for themselves. The clergy advocacy board recognizes because this conversation on women's health care and reproductive health care is so um, politicized religion is in the conversation, whether it should be or not, it just is. That's what's happened yeah. here in America. And so the clergy advocacy board is there as a faithful, peaceful, calm voice to say, we actually understand why religion and faith is on your mind as you make this decision. We're not trying to convince you one way or the other, but we are a prayerful presence and and recognize that God is with you in that decision. So on the clergy advocacy board, you have people who are um, Christian and um, Unitarian Universalists and um, Jews and there are Muslims and it's people of faith, deep, deep faith, who understand mm-hmm. our particular religions, who are there to support people, because we know how dear religion is. Like, it is, yeah. for me, personally, religion is one of the ways I make decisions in life. Yes. And so we understand when someone comes to a clinic, how, what if they're Catholic, we understand that that's one yeah. of the things in their heads that is is in conversation with their decision that they want to make and we're there as a faithful presence to help support them whatever they decide and ultimately Mm -hmm. for all of us remind them that god loves them whether they choose an abortion or whether they choose to continue on with the pregnancy god loves them god is not going to punish Mm -hmm. them um and god is is has given us our own mind soul and body to make those decisions god trusts us like god became one of us um to show us how to make decisions ourselves um so ultimately and to to empathize that that making those kinds of decisions are freaking hard. They're hard. They're like, hard. That yeah. Jesus didn't want to do it. And he had to turn his body over to something he didn't want to do. And he was like, get me out of this. Right. Right. Like, exactly. You know, he gets, I think he gets that in, in some ways. And um, that's interesting how you said that because it sort of made me, it opened up a little space in my mind about like that, you know, knowing somebody is, a, is against whatever against abortion or is struggling with the idea of abortion because of their faith. Um, people who like, like people like you, like myself, it is also because of our faith, our faith informs the way that we see it as well. We haven't set our religion aside and decided to be a part of a liberal agenda or a progressive political party or anything like that. It is also our faith that informs those decisions. And so if somebody's listening to this as sort of a peek inside a different room of their, you know, of the world, 
I want you to hear that that the pro, quote pro-life or anti-abortion camp is not the only one. They do not have a monopoly on this being a faith-based, faith-informed, um, theological position that they've taken. Those who, those of us who are Christians and also Jews and Muslims, like you said, but um, but for this conversation, those of us who are Christians are informed by the teachings of Jesus. Yeah, informed I, by you know the the dignity of, of every human being because of their image bearers and stuff, and I think that's important to say. Well, I think that's incredibly important to say, and to also for me to acknowledge here with those listening that I became in support of abortion and reproductive health care because mm-hmm. of my faith, yes. because I was reading the Gospels with fresh new eyes, because I had wrestled mm-hmm. for years. I am someone who believes that individuals should have choices of what's best for them because I believe that's what the gospel wants for us. That's how I got to where I am today. Jesus. Yeah. Not some political party, not because someone convinced me. Literally, it is because of my reading of of, of the gospel. And not trying to retrofit the Bible onto a belief you decided you had. That's right. And then saying, let me me see how I can support it. It was. That's right. And and I love that. That's, that is, um, uh, that's the same for me. I, it wasn't until around when the Dobbs decision, I mean, I was like uh, socially and politically, fine with it and you know so and as just as a woman but uh it wasn't until around then when i start like you can't read more than a few sentences in the especially in the hebrew scriptures without hearing god's heart for the marginalized for the the poor for the foreigner for the uh widow for women like that god is so especially attentive to people who um, have less to the poor, to the needy, yes. to the lowly, et cetera. Um, and those are the people this conversation most widely and directly affects. Yes, exactly. Um, are people who need those resources, who can't afford them elsewhere, who can't afford to travel, who can't afford to have another baby, maybe. Um, not that it only affects right. those people, but disproportionately. Um, before we go, I want to ask... <laughs> now that the Dobbs decision is what it is, now that there is now 50 different ways that abortion law is manifesting in this country, um, do you have any recommendations for like how the church can engage in this space to partner with Planned Parenthood or partner with communities or partner with women um, for access, education, safety, justice, um, and protection for women? Yeah, um, So one of the things, and again, I'm very blessed to serve in the United Church of Christ where there are more people than just myself saying this. So when you find others who begin to think similar to you, there is strength in numbers, right? So find people that are are on the journey with you in these opinions Mm -hmm. so that you can continue to strengthen your own voice. Things such as social media, like, actually do matter because, yeah, Kelly, I have a lot of people from the different interviews I've done, and, and I did this big interview with The Atlantic, and people will mm-hmm. reach out to me and say, um, I didn't know I could be a Christian and that God still loved me, even though I had an abortion five years ago. I haven't yeah. told anybody else. I'm like, that's mm. no way to live, right? Like, that's not the yeah. gospel. Like, that's not the gospel. So, um, the Ugh. more we're we're honest and open, 
the more it creates space for people to know who's safe and who I can talk to and that we're not alone um, as, as laws are changing how we live. It's important for us to tell um, our positions and our stories just for the mere fact that people aren't alone. I think that's the first thing. I think, um, mm-hmm. I think ministers who are serving pulpits have an obligation to talk about this from the pulpit. Um, I know that might seem scary for some people who are ministers who are listening, but I think ultimately you know your context. Ultimately, you know your people um, and, yeah. and prayerfully helping your people wrestle or think or pray together. That's our task as congregational ministers. Mm -hmm. Like that is our task. I can't tell. And this is something Kelly, I don't like when people are like, well, every pastor should be preaching about this this weekend. Like that's unfaithful to our work. We know our people, we know the time in which those conversations need to come up. Um, So ultimately I trust my colleagues, but don't stray from it because it's scary or tough. Mm -hmm we owe it to the spiritual discernment of our people to at least give them the tools so that they can wrestle with, with our God. Um, and, and they can come to that, uh, decisions together. I would say very easily. And to, sorry, really quick, but just, and to the more than likely multiple women in your, in those pews who have already been in that situation. And maybe one of those people feeling like I haven't told anybody because I don't know where is safe. Um, when you're talking about it from the pulpit and making it clear, this is a culture where, uh, we are, we support women and you know, where we support families and you know, all these things, those women can come out of hiding. That's right. They can start living, in in the full truth of their stories and allowing God to um, infiltrate in those you know in those things, so it's it is it is equipping the people in the pews. Yes, yes, who need it. All of us do, and it's also you know I go to a church with I don't I'm I might be one of four people who isn't in menopause, um, <laughs> and yes. and so, um, but like somebody in there it's they've paid for one yes their their girlfriend or spouse or wife has had one they have had one or they've considered it or you know whatever and so um don't assume they're not in your pews also (laughs) that's right i think that's really important or on your church board or um yeah who have been serving for a while that reminds me menopausal services another thing that planned parenthood uh serves so like just the whole the whole gamut of the age group here um i did want to ask you is it also post-birth care like yeah. I know it's yes. through the pregnancy, but would it be post birth care, not not pediatric care? I assume. Yeah, no, mo- no, but post birth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is medical okay. care. What you need, they will serve. Um, and okay, then I great. think Sorry, one, go ahead. one another thing too. If this is all new for anybody who's listening, and you didn't know that there was a planned parent, planned parenthood clergy advocacy board, just go to the website and like yeah. do what you I'll did, Kelly. Yeah, um, I yeah. think that that is a gateway, and then you'll start seeing some of the names and start following, like checking out their churches or checking out their websites mm-hmm. or what they're writing, because those are all wonderful people to be in conversation with that will respect yeah. you and honor you. Uh, um, and that's the key here. We respect people. We honor people. Um, uh, that's really important. Human dignity. Um, and yeah. then, and then, then for actions here, um, I think supporting when a friend comes 
to you and says, I need help with getting the, the care that I need, supporting them to help find those resources. So in Pennsylvania, abortion is legal. Um, thankfully, I, I know where to go. And, and that's uh, mm-hmm. easier than where you are right now, Kelly. So I think uh, mm-hmm. if know, know the laws in your state, know where you need to travel or if you can do something online. Um, if you educate yourself, you will be better able to serve those who might come to you or yourself if you need that. Um, yeah. I think just, um, I think removing ourselves from the political discourse does not actually serve uh, our fellow humans and and women and people who might mm. be pregnant. We need to educate ourselves like what is actually what, what can I cannot do here in Florida or Arkansas mm-hmm. or Michigan? That's important that you know that. And, um, and another thing, have you ever been in a Planned Parenthood clinic? Do you know where right. the Planned Parenthood, like, just be aware of that. And I think the other thing to note too is and that. I, I know in Texas, many of them are closing. Uh, yes. Um, you know, so there may be less, but if it's not. Planned Parenthood by name, a women's clinic. And you have to be careful because some of them are so sneaky with the CPCs. Um, but, but you know, if there is a women's clinic in your community or somewhere in your community, um, even if it's not a Planned Parenthood, I think you're exactly to know what resources that they can connect you to. If you need help getting on WIC, if you need help, um, you know, getting on Medicaid or getting your kid on Medicaid, whatever it is, like, I imagine that's something that they, Yes. They just absolutely. do all day long. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a huge one. And then if you pay attention um, to your own forever, who's listening, if you find, gosh, I want to do something about it, we'll begin to get involved politically more and putting pressure on. I don't, um, this is not a surprise to me, the Dobbs decision. Um, my wife is a political scientist and this has been, this has been mm-hmm. laid out since yep. um um you know around reagan a little earlier yeah this has been the issue that has been laid out um but we've got work ahead of us here to do and so so mm-hmm. take care of yourself know that you are one voice in the sea of hopefully many that are around you um and link up with others so that we can change the tide for the long term for those who are coming after us i think that's the, the, the big yeah. picture is a really important don't be discouraged but get a big picture yeah. here so we can continue to move things differently again Mm. I loved somebody um, um, had posted right around the time it was uh, decided. Um, also, if you're having sex, you can make sure that the people you're having sex with have voted for your right to be able to get all the care you need. Yes. That's uh, sexy. Ask and, that question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask that question. I mean, that really, that's a big difference. And, and even when you're choosing about having sex, yeah, being more, being very intentional about your contraception, being very intentional to have emergency contraception on hand. If you know that like in our state, for example, if you know, abortion isn't an option. Yes. Um, like you said, educating yourself on where the abortion funds are and who you, who the resources are out of state, but doing everything we can to reduce even the unwanted pregnancies to start with. Yes. Get sex education, get contraceptive education. There's, there's yes. times it stops working after a certain weight class or antibiotics apparently render it less effective. I found out from my antibiotics bottle oh last week. Oh. I'm 36. That's the first time I've ever heard that. Yeah. I mean, there's still so much that we, um, 
we, I think sometimes we expect others, okay, this is what should I do? This is what I shouldn't do. But ultimately what you're saying exactly, Kelly, is we are our best advocates. I will always support self-advocacy. What are your needs? What are your desires? And then as a clergy member, that is part of what I believe part of my call is how can I help use the resources I have so that we can get the support and care you need. Um, that mm-hmm. I believe in mutual aid and mutual care. That's just how I understand the scriptures is that we belong to each other. And so yeah. we have an obligation as Christians to help help get the resources to pe- people yeah, that we care. may need um, or that others may need. Um, I think those are all yeah. options. Um, and as you research these different options to take action, you will begin to find the people that you are connected with so that you Mm -hmm. can increase your hope knowing that your voice is making a difference. I think that's the, let me just end on a pastoral word for me. Like I think um, anytime we're tempted to have despair be the loudest voice, well then the quote Mm -hmm. other side has already won. Um, we have to talk back to the despair. We can say, Oh, I see you. I'm really discouraged. I, um, I'm uncomfortable with the despair that I feel right now, but no, 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 there's Mm -hmm. still hope. There's still, I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. God's still alive. We can change things and I'm going to use my voice to help change it. Um, hope and that type of tenacity have to be at the forefront of stubborn hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was called, (laughs) um, when I did 10 years of Christian, uh, camp and they called me Jay Hutzpah all those years. Hutzpah is a (laughs) Hebrew word of a a feisty fire. And, um, so you have to have some of that fire within you to, to know that you can make a difference, which is exactly what Micah says. What is, what does God Mm. require of us, but to do justice to love mercy and to live humbly. And um, that's, that's what we're trying to do here. Okay. I hope that conversation was beneficial to you in some way. My thanks again to the Reverend Sweet Jess for joining me today. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram and threads at Rev Jess Cast. That's R-E-V-J-E-S-K-A-S-T, or on her website at revjesscast.com. I will also link to these in the show notes. I'm also going to link to the Planned Parenthood Clergy Advocacy Board in case you have more questions about what the um, statement of beliefs is and, uh, and what that's all about. So there'll be a link there uh, also for episode 108 of Where Do We Go From Here podcast that I mentioned in the intro. Before we go, because of the nature of this conversation and the potential urge to want to discuss it more in community with other people of faith, first of all, if you have a community that that is safe for you, yes and amen, I'm so thrilled for that. Uh, I do also want to remind you that the Let It Matter podcast has a Patreon community and we would love to have you join us there. For as little as $4 a month, partners get exclusive content like additional episodes and spiritual formation teachings, as well as access to monthly matterings, which is our private monthly partners only Zoom call with me where we build community as we dive deeper into recent episode topics. To get access to all these partner perks, head over to patreon.com forward slash let it matter pod 
or letitmatter.com forward slash podcast. Join me next week as we continue to make space for, honor, and name what matters. And now, according to our tradition, as we close out, I offer you this benediction, and I pray this over us. It comes from Shannon K. Evans' book, Feminist Prayers for My Daughter. The prayer is called For Sacred Listening. Let's pray. O still, small voice, let us be comforted in knowing that we have access to you at any time or in any place. Teach each of us how to know where to find you deep within ourselves. Teach us what you sound like. Teach us the ways of sacred listening. When we must make a decision, may we listen for your voice. When we feel alone, may we listen for your presence. When we need wisdom, may we listen for your direction. And as we learn to listen, may we come to understand that because you live in and through us, your still small voice is also the voice of our deepest inner knowing. May we learn to love the sound of our true selves. May we learn that it's the sound of you. Amen.